Hey, everybody, this is Corey Dion Lewis, founder of The Healthy Project and host of The Healthy Project podcast. Now, before you listen to this great interview, I'd like to talk to you about my new community health conference series, My City, My Health. Uh, The My City, My Health conference presented by The Healthy Project will educate the audience about what health and community advocates are doing to improve the health of the most vulnerable and underserved in our communities. There will be multiple panels discussing topics around culture and healthcare, mental health prevention, and how we're collaborating with community-based organizations to really make a difference in our community. If you want to learn more about this in-person and virtual experience, you can go to mycity.health. If you want to have this conference in your city, email me, Corey at thehealthyproject.co and we could talk more about how we could have a my city my health experience in your city talking to the health and community leaders in your city about what you can do to improve the health of the people in your city again thank you for supporting the healthy project or there's some things that you can't control right like your environment physical activity, nutrition, but you just need a little bit of additional help. So while we work on those things that we can't control, this medication is going to help be the healthiest you can be um, and make sure that you are you know, preventing any future complications. Hey, what's up? This is Corey Dion Lewis, clinical health coach and host of the Healthy Project podcast. Now, the research shows that social determinants can have a greater impact on your health more than healthcare or lifestyle choices. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss how to improve health and reduce health inequity by speaking to healthcare professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a review, or you can also make a donation to The Healthy Project using the link in the description. It takes 30 seconds and it's super easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I am your host, Corey Dion Lewis. I have a dope guest in the building today. I have the clinical pharmacy coordinator for Broadlands Medical Center. I have Shayla Morris. Shayla, thank you so much for being on me today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Corey. I'm really excited to be yeah. here. So this is going to be a fun one because we, we work together. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be great. that all the time. So. Yes. so, but before we get started, you know, before we get into the topic, how about you tell the people a little bit more about yourself and, you know, what gets you up in the morning? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm a clinical pharmacist. My background is in chronic disease state management. So hypertension, diabetes, high cholesterol, things like that. And then in my current role, I'm actually helping to implement different pharmacy services around Broadlands. Um, it's a newer role and it's new for me. So I'm really excited about it. And then why I get up in the morning? Well, one, it's usually my daughter waking me up. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but on, the, on the serious side, it's definitely patient advocacy. Um, you know, I genuinely feel fortunate that I know how to navigate the healthcare system and I can do it well. And so one of the reasons that I did go into pharmacy is that I want to be able to help others do that. There's so many people that cannot easily figure out what's going on. Um, so I always try to keep that spirit of advocacy on the forefront of whatever I'm doing. That's, that's dope. You know, and one thing I'm learning just 
just as working at, at Broad Lawns and being able to connect with you a lot more and understanding the pharmacy side of things is yeah. that you do so much more than just prescribe medication. So and much more. <laughs> so much more. And and one of the to- and and we'll definitely get into like everything that you do, but one of the topics that we're discussing today is, is medication adherence. And mm-hmm. you have a lot of experience, not only with that, but even with the population that we serve. What to those that don't know, what is when we say medication adherence, what does that mean? Yeah. So medication adherence is taking the medication as it's prescribed and doing it correctly. And it is a lot harder than it sounds just because someone is handing you the pill bottle and they're saying, okay, take this. There's there's so many factors that go into it. Um, a lot of people don't want to take medication in the first place, which is definitely understandable. Um, so when I'm talking to patients that are starting a new pen- medication or increasing the dose, you know, I'm telling them it doesn't mean that you have failed, that you have to take a medication for your condition. It means that you need a little bit of extra help either because there's some factors you can't control, maybe that's genetics or your family history, so you have to, or there's some things that you can control, right? Like your environment, physical activity, nutrition, but you just need a little bit of additional help. So while we work on those things that we can't control, this medication is going to help be the healthiest you can be um, and make sure that you are, you know, preventing any future complications. Right, and and one of the things I'm sure that you run into a lot is, if you're not taking that medication consistently, whatever you're taking that medication for is not going to improve or you're just not going to know how much you need. So like, but what are some of the barriers to that? Like, what are some of the reasons you hear that people either stop taking their medications or they're inconsistent with it? Mm -hmm. Well, you hit the nail on the head too, right? If you're not taking the medication every day as you should be, either, you know, the dose could get increased and then it's too much or it's just not working. But there's a lot of different barriers. Um, it could be something as simple as, you know, again, the patient doesn't understand what they're taking or how they're supposed to take it. Uh, one of my professors, I, I went to University of Iowa College of Pharmacy, shout out to them. Um, and uh-huh. so one of my professors actually created this draw tool or drug adherence uh, workup tool. And so it asks, it's a series of, a, it's a questionnaire to ask patients barriers. So how do you take your medication? That'll help them describe it. And maybe there's something that they're missing. Um, What (laughs) another one is uh, how often do you forget your medications? You know, is it a typical day or is it a day where, you know, it's a weekend or a vacation? And so that schedule change um, is the reason why they're not adherent. Another thing could be an adverse effect. So are you having any adverse effects or are there any issues that you're having with the medication? Um, so it's really important for patients to communicate with their providers as well. If they you know, start taking something or they change the dose and then they say, hey, I'm not feeling right. Something feels weird. And then we can see if it's a, a true allergy, if there's really something going on or if something needs to be adjusted. Um, other barriers all fall into that social determinants of health, right? Mm -hmm. So cost of medications, um, transportation, can the patient even get to and from the doctor's office or the pharmacy to pick it up? Language barriers. So there's a lot of different types, um, but providers can't understand those barriers unless the patient communicates that with them. So I always try to tell my patients if something is wrong, if you have questions, please, please let me know. It's always worth it to just ask instead of not knowing. And then you could potentially, you know, be causing extra harm. 
Right. Because is it is it common for a patient to maybe they maybe they don't understand the medication that they're on, so they either they won't take it or they don't they never want to take it before anyway, so they they don't take it um, to not communicate that. So you're thinking they're still taking it, things are going well, but they're they're hiding that from you. So that so from a pharmacy aspect um, or from a pharmacist aspect. What are some things that that you do to to keep that rapport or to kind of build upon that relationship of just not giving them the medication so they can feel comfortable giving you that information? Absolutely. Well, I definitely think it's a trust thing, right? You have to establish a relationship with your patients so that they do feel comfortable enough coming to you. Um, I mentioned open-ended questions. So always asking, you know, what are some problems or concerns that you might have? I've definitely had patients, you know, I, I suggest, hey, let's try this medication. Your blood pressure is a little bit elevated. Oh, well, I, I really don't want to. All right. Well, what are some of the problems or, or what are some of the concerns that you have? Let them tell you what's going on. It may be something completely different than you would have thought of, but that way you're able to work with the patient to come up with a solution that works for them. So that way when they leave, they can implement it in their lives because at the end of the day, the patient is the one that has to take that medication, remember to take it every day. Um, So you want to make sure that whatever you're deciding, they feel comfortable enough to do it on their own. And then again, always encouraging that two-way street of communication. If something's going wrong, here's how you can contact me. Let me know if there's something that we need to resolve and make sure that they are aware that they're a part of their care team too. It's not just the provider or the pharmacist talking at them, but the patient mm-hmm. does have a choice um, and they're able to, to they're able to be a, an important deciding factor in what goes on in their healthcare. I think that is one thing that we miss when we talk about uh, care teams is mm-hmm. I think it's always there. Like I think, you know, that when we say care team, <laughs> that the patient is a part of that, but right. like, does the patient know that? Or are they exactly. just like, okay, I'm just, I'm just, I'm out here, but like not really feeling like they're a part of that team. I feel like that's something we can do a lot better to let them understand like, hey, th- th- we are your team, not you're yeah. on our team, you know, kind of a thing. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, care plans are not always black and white. There's guidelines, but there's not, there's not always necessarily an absolutely right answer. Um, so one thing that I try to do with my patients is give them options or kind of let them know what I'm thinking. Hey, we, you know, we need to make a medication change. Here's a couple of things we can do. We can increase this dose or we can add in this extra drug, give them like the pros and cons of what I'm thinking. I might add in my recommendation. You know, I, I personally am kind of leaning more towards this, but let me know what you're thinking. Do, is there a reason why you may or may not want this option versus another? So that way they feel like they are truly having a deciding factor in what's going on with them. And then once they have that feeling and empowerment, it'll be a lot easier for them to carry out that plan once they leave your office or a pharmacy. No, that, that make that makes a lot of sense. And so you, you brought up before uh, social determinants of health and that being a a factor, uh, which I totally definitely uh, agree with. What, why is it when it, when we're talking about transportation, I know you brought transportation and things like that. Some of those aspects of social determinants, Mm -hmm. but, what are some other things or are there anything in specific that 
are affecting our underserved population specifically, because I feel like medication adherence affects that population dramatically more than in, in, in any other. But why, why is that? You know, what are, what are some of those things that are affecting our underserved population with, you know, adhering to their medication? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've definitely hit on a couple of them. One is, I would probably say is the highest is health literacy. So growing up, we don't learn a lot about health or, you know, medications in school. Um, you can, once you get to a, a certain level, I think, um, but the general population does not know a lot. They trust, hopefully, they trust their providers, their physicians, um, their pharmacists, but they may not trust them either. There's a lot of people for for good reason that have a mistrust in the healthcare system. Um, but if you have a lower health literacy rate and someone is just throwing, you know, medications at you and not explaining why they need it, why it works or how it works and what benefit it can be to them, well, why would that person take that medication? It's just another pill. I don't know what this is. Why would I want to take that every day? Um, so I think health literacy is, is a huge impact or a huge aspect of that. Um, and then, you know, people are just wary. People don't know what they don't know. You may see someone, and I've heard this a lot, um, you know, a patient saw a family member, they went to the doctor, and then all of a sudden, all these things were wrong with them, and they came back with five medications, or, you know, my aunt got put on insulin, and she ended up in the hospital, and so they have that fear, and you hear that a lot, they have that fear, and they don't want that to happen to them. We don't either. So tell me your worries. Tell me what your concerns are, and we'll try to work through them. So at that, at the end of the day, the patient is leaving with more knowledge. They have a better understanding of what's going on with their health because their health is different than everyone else's health, and then they can continue to to move forward. Right. So I'm probably this is probably a term, but I feel like I made it up just now. But medication <laughs> burnout. I feel is that is that a thing? Like like oh, people right. are. Yep. What's that? Pill burning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like your skill. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the thing. So what do you do? Like how how do you what do you do when someone's like, man, I, I'm not doing another one. You know, but mm-hmm. you think it's necessary for for their health or whatever. What do you what do you do in that situation? Oh yeah, I've I've definitely had that happen. Um, again, especially with chronic diseases, you could be on three blood pressure medications, three or four medications for diabetes. Um, One thing that I always try to encourage patients to do is make sure that you know why you're taking everything. One, keep a list so that in case, you know, in the off chance anything happens, somebody else knows what you have. But every once in a while, go through that. Okay, I have this medication and it's for blood pressure. I have this medication that's for my asthma. I have this medication. This is when I get headaches. Make sure everything has a reason. And then every once in a while, you know, periodically ask, hey, is there a way that I can decrease the dose? Is there a way that we could maybe get off this or try to get off this? And sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is no. But that's just keeping that conversation open. Um, Another thing, too, is trying to simplify your medication regimen. So ask your doctor, ask your pharmacist is there a way I could maybe combine two pills and it's in one? So I'm still getting the same thing, but I'm taking less pills. Um, Is there a way I could maybe split it up? So instead of taking 
eight in the morning, maybe I can take, you know, four and four or something like that. But usually there's options that patients can have. Um, so it's just trying to find the, the best regimen for them that is sustainable because it does get very tiring sometimes. And I definitely understand that. Mm-hmm. And it's good that we're having this conversation because I don't feel like people know they had those options to, 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 to ask that. Or is it, do they, do they not know they have the option or they did not have a pharmacist that's available to them? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, some pharmacies are everywhere. So I would say get one pharmacy, stick with it so that the pharmacy knows what you're taking. Cause if you go two, three, four places, they can't always catch interactions or things like that when they're mm-hmm. filling open, right. Um, but get to know them. Um, if it seems like they're busy, Pharmacy is definitely a little tough right now. I think all healthcare is a little bit tough because of the pandemic. Um, but ask if there's maybe some time that they can sit with the pharmacist and ask um, some questions that they may have or ask their provider, is there anyone I can sit down with in your office to go through my medications? It's, it's a lot. I'm a little bit confused on why I have everything. Do you guys have that option? And I think that's available in more offices than people realize. So it's a little bit of both, just not knowing they have that opportunity as well. Right. And that's what I was, that's what I was kind of thinking. It's like, you know, when, when I think of pharmacy, if, if I were, if I did not have any knowledge of, of healthcare or how, how it works, and I was like, hey, I get my medications from, from Walgreens and mm-hmm. that's just where I go and get my medication. But I wouldn't think to go, if I'm at the hospital, to ask to speak to someone about my medication. And mm-hmm. I know there are a lot more pharmacists within primary care clinics and things like right. that. But like, I don't think people realize they can, they can ask that when they're seeing their PCP. Like, hey, can, is there someone I could talk to you about all, all these dang pills I'm on? Mm-hmm. And and I get it because there's sometimes I still have to explain, explain to my family every once in a while <laughs> what I do. But the way I explain it to people is, you know, pharmacists go to school for four years, um, at least four years, four years of pharmacy school to get their doctorate degree. We know the ins and the outs of the medication. I cannot do everything that the physician does. They are amazing. I can't do everything that the nurses do. They're amazing. But we have our niche and we're the experts in medications, how to take them and how to manage them appropriately. Awesome. And you brought up something a while back um, talking about how people may be influenced to not take their medications based off of something they've seen, heard, or an experience. So at least in my next question is um, what does what role does culture play in, in adherence? Like, is there, is there a piece of that in that scenario? I think there absolutely is because everything about someone is their culture, right? Mm-hmm. What they eat, what traditions they have, what celebrations they do, what healthcare means to them. Um, some cultures, you know, whatever the doctor says goes, that's it, you know, they don't ask questions. They don't do anything. Other cultures, again, have a more general mistrust of, of people because they're saying, hey, they haven't always treated us the best in the past. I don't really trust this now. Um, so I think it plays a huge impact, but it also shows how important education is and then taking that health education and educating those around you. Right, right. And it's, it's, it's taking that, to, for me, 
It's getting in front of somebody to, who's going to listen to that first step. Absolutely. Right? Because, because I've had plenty of experiences, and I'm sure you have too, where you've, you've been talking to someone, they're like, man, Jimmy took that pill. He died the next day. I ain't, do, I ain't taking that. I don't oh, care yeah. what they say. And then, and, and you know, you know, they really need that, but they've had that experience. It's like, man, uh, cause every time I go to the hospital and get a new, I get a new medication or, or there's always something. Mm-hmm. And what, and I have absolutely had those patients and I'll say, well, I can't talk about Jimmy. I don't know what was going on with him. <laughs> I didn't see his labs. I don't know what happened, but I'm talking with you. Here's what's going on with you. Because of X, Y, and Z, you know, your kidneys are not looking the best. We want to make sure we're protecting them. Um, that pressure is a little high. we got to get that down. I know you have that family history of stroke, and I do not want that to happen to you. So it's all always about bringing it back to the patient, finding out what's important to them, what motivates them. And then here's how adhering to your medication or following that care plan can make sure that we get to your health goals. And if your health goal is... I don't want to be on anything anymore. That is absolutely wonderful. Let's incorporate some of that lifestyle uh, aspect of it. I have a great health coach in the office. Let's set you up an appointment with him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, in, but in the meantime, we need to take these medications. And if it starts to come down, we can slowly taper down. Um, but it's always patient specific. And I think that sometimes gets a little bit difficult for the average person to understand. Um, but every single person is different. Like I said, we have guidelines. We know in general what to expect, but everyone's health is going to be different and, and how you treat that is going to be a little bit different. Right. It also goes back to that. Once you build that trust, maybe they're able to really kind of look past that a little bit. Absolutely. And sometimes, it, and it depends on the situation too, it, it's leniency as a, as a healthcare person. As well, so I remember um, when I was working in New Orleans, I had a patient, and I called her up on the phone to talk about um, it was her blood sugars because she had diabetes, and she said, "Shayla, how do you always call me when I'm I'm not about to do something good?" I said, "Well, what are you, what's going on? What you doing that you didn't want me to know about?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm in line to get these crawfish beignets, but they're not." All- for me, they're for other people too. I'm picking them up for a group. I said, all right, I know they're good. I need you to, if you're going to have one, we're going to keep it at one or a half. And we know what's going to happen to our blood sugars, right? So we know what to expect. Yes, I know. I know I'm, I can only have one. I said, all right. Because I'm. I, in my mind, healthcare should not be, you cannot have this. You cannot do this. You have to absolutely change this part of your life. Do we need to make adjustments? Absolutely. Do we need to take steps back? I can't have this or do as much of what I wanted before. Yes. But unless there is like concrete, you cannot do this for this very specific reason because it will cause you harm. You have to work with the patient and make sure that they're still enjoying their life. Quality of life is so important. And, you know, people see that kind of as another barrier. They don't want to, you know, take all these medications because then they won't be able to do what they want to do. So quality of life to me is extremely important. No, that's dope. That's, that's dope. That's dope. You know, one of the things I've been hearing from a lot of pharmacists is, you know, now that I feel like because of the pandemic, we're hearing a, a lot I'm, maybe this is something that's already been going on, so you can let me know. 
But during the pandemic, I've heard pharmacists come up a lot now being a part of care teams, Mm -hmm. having more of a role. I've heard pharmacists um, trying to advocate for them to be able to use their license at the very at as much as they can um, at the top of practice at the top of their license, not just you know, pushing medications, but they're able to do everything you've been able to do because you went to school to become a doctor in pharmacy. You should be able to utilize that. Um, mm-hmm. What does that look like for you? I mean, I know your role at Broad Lawns is, is a great role, so I would like for you to talk a little bit about that as well. But what does the profession of, phar- of pharmacy in pharmacists, what does the future look like in your, in your opinion? Absolutely. Um, So to answer your question, pharmacists have been um, trying to be in a more clinical role for a long time. So it's not just because of the pandemic. I feel like more people maybe know about it a little bit more um, because pharmacists were the only accessible ones for a while. No, people weren't going to the hospital, weren't going to the clinics. Um, There is a lot of different types of pharmacy as well. There's the community or retail setting, and that's when you See your Walmart and your Walgreens and independent pharmacies as well. What I have experienced in is ambulatory care. So more in the clinic, um, but outpatient. So the patients are, you know, coming in and they're leaving. There's also pharmacists that do clinical services on the inpatient side too. Um, but I think it's, it's all about that collaborative healthcare team. Having a pharmacist on your team and making sure, hey, if we've got this uh, medication it's the right dose. There's no uh, contraindications for the patient. Um, maybe we can give them a little bit more education on the on the ambulatory care side or outpatients. Obviously, a little harder on inpatient, um, mm-hmm. but it's just an extra accessory to the healthcare team to make sure we're doing everything that we need to be doing for this patient in the right way. And here's an expert on all the medications that we're using. Um, so I see us as having just a more prominent role in that in that field. Um, like I said, I don't want to speak for all of pharmacy. I've kind of got my right. Ampair niche. Um, I would love to see pharmacists in more um, physician offices or provider offices, in emergency room departments, um, anywhere where you're giving out a medication. I'd love for patients to at least have access to a pharmacist, even if they can't see them face to face, but have access to one to discuss, hey, does this, is this right? Is what I'm experiencing right? Is anything going on with my medications? And just have that um, additional opportunity to talk with someone. No, that's dope. So, you know, what's your experience been like so far? I mean, you've been, you've been at Broad Lawns for, for a quick minute, not, not that long. I mean, you've hit Coming the ground up. running. <laughs> <laughs> but how is that experience and how do you feel like you've been able to um, improve this role and, and do what you're doing so far? Yeah, um, I've been super excited. And, and I'm not just saying that because I'm sure people from my job will hear this, uh, but but I really have been excited. I feel like um, more so now than I've seen in the past, um, pharmacists are, are getting a lot more respect um, and an acknowledgement than we have. Um, and you know, physicians and, and other providers are turning and say, okay, this sounds great, but let me double check with the pharmacist and make sure that I'm 
I'm doing this right. I've gotten, you know, calls on my office or my cell. Hey, can I just run this by you? And and I like that because that's what we're here for. I don't want to touch anybody. I don't want to, you know, no diagnosing, no, none of that. But let me help you appropriately manage so that other professions can practice at the top of their license. If you have somebody that's able to handle this aspect of the patient's care, that frees up time for everybody else to do what they do best. No, that's good. That's good. Well, Shayla, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. Um, If anybody listening wanted to learn more about you and and get a hold of you, um, where can they find you at? Yeah, I'm active on LinkedIn. Um, Shayla Morris from the BCACP. Um, I work at Broadlands Medical Center in Des Moines, Iowa. So feel free to contact me if needed. And again, Corey, thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you today. I knew I'd have fun, but oh I- yeah, it's gonna be fun. This ain't gonna be the last time we talk either one because we, we work together. But also, Shayla's in the My City My Health conference in one of the panels, so you'll be able to listen to her there as well. So that's going to be, that's going to be fire too. That'll be super fun. Thank you so yes. much. Bobby. No problem. Everybody. Thank you for listening to the healthy project podcast. Uh, I'll let you next time.